no date that's ever involved battleship has gone well. Well, they could, but not like the first date. No, no, that's definitely a... That's a few months in when you break out your love of battleship and board games. Yes, yes. That's a... This is... Should I take the next step and see how competitive you are kind of date? Yes, board games come into play after sex, but before you start farting in front of each other. (laughs) Okay, good to know. (laughs) Just good for future reference for you there. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Mamie. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. So, Amy, is your palate thoroughly cleansed from WandaVision? Yes, it certainly has been. This was very different from WandaVision. Yes, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is 100% the show we need after eight weeks of mindfuckery. Yes, absolutely. I loved this episode start to finish. It was so grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was slower than I expected it to be, which was good, actually. Yes. I'm glad because it really set the table. And I think that's what Marvel was telling us with these two early action sequences. And then things slow down, just telling us, hey, guys, you're going to get it. Yep. But let us set the table first. Yeah. All that fun is going to come. Let's set the scene so that we know what the stakes are. Yeah. Look, we know you want cake. We know you want pudding, all that good stuff. Okay. But we've got to have a little dinner first. (laughs) And it's still good. We got some nice roast chicken and mashed potatoes going on here. All of the trimmings. It's wonderful. Yeah. Some nice sushi too. I would name Cajun foods, but I don't know any. (laughs) I've been to New Orleans once, but my brain was cooked. While I was there in August, so I remember very little. Ooh, catfish. Fried catfish. There you go. I got one. Yay. Good for you. That shit is delicious. Okay. And we want to say right off here, we are sticking to our pact. There will be no insane theorizing. There will be no Easter egg craziness, mainly because it's really not there. But also because, like we said, this show is very grounded in reality. Yeah. And, well, to be fair, we do have a little bit of trivia coming from the comics. I have done a little bit of homework before the show started. So, a few bits here and there. Yes, but we're not analyzing anything frame by frame. No, no. If you start doing that, I will whack you. Is that the best you could do? Yeah, I know, right? You make better threats than that against me all the time. (laughs) Come on. I will bonk you on the head. Really? That is weak. I'm feeling very non-violent today for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Nonetheless, Marvel tricked us all again. A lot of us, myself included, thought we were going to be seeing Steve Rogers' funeral. Uh, I didn't think so. I thought that was a definite possibility. Okay. But hey, the show's still young. You never know. This is true. You know, Steve 
Steve might fly back from the moon and crash. We don't know. (laughs) You know, actually, interestingly, my favorite gaming series, Wolfenstein, they did a reboot a couple of years ago. And the first game was called Wolfenstein, The New Order. And in that game, at one point, we do need to go to the moon. It's always the moon. Yeah. I don't understand people's fascination with the moon. It's far away. (laughs) I guess. Maybe it's because I'm lactose intolerant. Ha, ha, ha. What does that have to do with the moon? Have you never heard the joke that the moon is made of cheese? No. All right, then. So in this opening scene, Sam is not getting ready for Steve's funeral. He's getting ready for a different We'll call it event right now. I don't want to use a stronger word for fear of a premature rant. Okay, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, please ensure that you're close to the volume dial. Because it's going to happen. You're going to have some problem with the hearing. I really liked this opening before we get into the action. Anthony Mackie doesn't say a word here. Right. But we can feel so much through him. We can see everything that's been going through his head since Steve handed him that shield. Yeah, he's conflicted. You can feel the weight on his shoulders. And he also misses his friend. Yeah, true. And we don't know where Steve is, if he's alive or not. Right. So I'm probably going to use this word a bunch throughout the episode. But again, this scene is very grounding, especially the way it's shot. Mm -hmm. I love the way the light is just coming into the room. There's a softness about it. And Anthony Mackie is also very graceful. True. And I know there are a few other adjectives you have for said scene. A little bit. Mm -hmm. A little bit. Yeah. Let it out. Let it out. I mentioned this in our Daredevil series. There's something about a very attractive man going through the process of putting on a suit. I find Mm -hmm. it very appealing. I find the appeal in taking off the suit. That's more fun. (laughs) And then when Sam's just about ready, he's placing the shield reverently almost inside its case. And we hear the voiceover from Endgame. Yeah. Oh, oh, that was a, it's a punch right in the gut, wasn't it? Yeah. And brought back so many other memories along with that. And at that point, I also thought to myself, oh my God, he even sounds like Joe Biden. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was one thing to see in Endgame, right? But it's another thing to hear now that Joe Biden is not just the president, but back in the public eye, because in 2019, he'd been out of office for years at that point. So he wasn't at the forefront of our mind. But I mean, seeing it was one thing, but now hearing it, I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. Did they like ADR him somehow for the for Evans's old man voice? Because this is amazing. Hey, he came on for Parks and Rec. I mean, he could have maybe just done this one scene and they just said, oh, no, it's Chris Evans. I think that would have been one secret too many to keep. (laughs) Personally, I don't see President Biden himself being able to keep that a secret. That's true. Yeah. I'm freaking Captain America. I mean, who would want to keep that secret? Exactly. Yeah. 
So before we head over to the Smithsonian, we get our first flashback of the episode. Right. We see Falcon in his brand spanking new suit, and he looks good. He does. The terrorist organization LAF kidnapped an Air Force liaison officer. Right. And the Air Force wants Sam to bring him back safe and sound without creating fuss. A a fuss. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way of putting it, yes. Fuss. International incident. Totally the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a fuss, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you count how many times Sam just hops out of a plane? No, I did not, but I enjoyed every one of them. Me too. He is ready to go. Yeah, I love the amount of trust falls he does. <laughs> now, a lot of people were hoping that this show was going to have the same vibe as Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So Marvel said, welcome back, not only Henry Jackman for the score, welcome back, George St. Pierre, sir. Yes, he plays George Petroc, and we saw him, of course, in The Winter Soldier, and we see him again now. I'm glad I'm glad I know his name now because I had just been referring to him as Canadian Jenning Tatum. <laughs> I am guessing we will see more of him during this show because in the comics, he works with Baron Zemo. Right. And he's basically in charge of this LAF op. Yeah. And man, oh man, was it fun to hear Red Wing engage. Yeah. <laughs> you know you want it. You know you want Red Wing. I know you do. Oh, yeah, I do. Absolutely. I want the Falcon Wings, too. They look Question. good. Yes. How quickly do you think I would break Red Wing? You'd break Red Wing before you can say Red Wing engage. <laughs> I'd probably end up like... You'd probably blow yourself up with some stupid nonsense. <laughs> Peter and far from home accidentally (laughs) setting a missile on myself. Yeah, yeah, quite possible. So this scene is basically the opening of Winter Soldier, but in the sky. Essentially, yes. How the fuck did they do this? Just when we think, every time we think Marvel can't top themselves with this kind of thing, they do it. Mm -hmm. It blows my mind incredible and the editing my god to put this together i can't even imagine how long just this one scene took to put together from start to finish yeah and also how many times they must have needed to jump to get because it it it's all short sequences for them to do that action in the air and then land and then again jump it reminded me a lot of the iron man uh aerial rescue that was there in iron man 3 And I remember listening to the special features and they said that scene took them, I think, 50 or 70 jumps to do. Wow. So for this, my God, I would say double it. Yeah, at least. If you go on IMDb, people, you will see the list of stunt people for this show is Mm -hmm. extensive. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, the amount of people that were flying around yeah yeah props to them too Mm, yeah and as sam is doing sky battle here we get our first glimpse of lieutenant torres 
acting as the audience because, yeah, buddy, we know this is really <laughs> fucking cool. Yeah, it absolutely is. When Sam lassos that one guy out the helicopter and just drops him, come on. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love the bit where somebody's shooting at him and he brings the wings in front and puts it in front of him like a shield. And the way yeah. the wings are shaped, it looks like a proper, like almost medieval shield. It kind of reminded me of Cap's first ever, you know, that toy shield that he had when he was going around as a dancing monkey telling people to buy war bonds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know what you mean. And even more than just the action, watching Sam himself, this is our first time seeing him on his own. And what a great mind and tactician he is. He doesn't yes. need Steve anymore to come up with a plan. He can handle this shit. Yeah, he totally can. He's He knows what he's doing and he trusts his instincts and his capabilities of his wings. Yes. Yeah. And that's definitely not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Because one malfunction and he's done. Right. And gotta love the rescue of this captain. Just in and out of that helicopter. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yep. That was fantastic. And the one bit where in the earlier part where they're in the helicopter and they say, okay, he's not going to be able to follow us beyond this point. And he's like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> well, you people don't know who you're dealing with. Yeah. But he does manage to not get into Libyan airspace. Yeah. Never a good idea. <laughs> and what I do like, and I'm interested to see how this is going to play out, the geopolitics of it, is they mention right before Sam jumps that, you know, they're getting around various treaties in the Sokovia Accords by flying at a certain elevation. Right. And it'll be interesting to see all of the other loopholes that are used, because that's the thing in the world. What, No matter the country, as soon as a legislative body creates rules and laws, other organizations start figuring out loopholes around them. Yeah, absolutely. So now we head over to Tunisia for what definitely felt for me like the sequel to Tony and Peter's car ride in Spider-Man Homecoming. Really? That dynamic was there for me. The cool mentor with the itty baby who's <laughs> looking up to him mm -hmm. and just hero worshiping him in every way. Right. Interestingly, Torres is actually the next Falcon in the comics. Yes, I have seen this. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot of love out there for Lieutenant Torres. Yeah. I personally have not seen him before, but gotta say, Marvel, you did it again. Perfect casting. Because let me tell you, folks, as a nine-year Air Force spouse, I can say with certainty, this is exactly what a young lieutenant is like. <laughs> He's as earnest as a little puppy. He's eager he doesn't really know what he's doing yet but he's gonna try <laughs> speaking of casting the captain who was kidnapped i mean we don't really see much of him except that he's flying around poor guy did he not remind you of daniel souza from agent carter or agents of shield a little bit and Verjokai, uh yes. honestly did not get a good enough look at his face okay he kind of reminded me of him there was too much else going on that's fair. He looked like a younger version of him. So I really like seeing Sam working on Red Wing here. 
it, it tells us a lot about him. One, oh, who knew Sam had a little background in engineering? Yeah, true. And two, you know, Red Wing was a real bird in the comics. And he almost treats this Red Wing like he's not a pet, but like he's a living thing. Like there's this intimacy between him and this drone. Yeah. And we even see a little bit of that in Civil War. Yeah. Nobody else is going to touch his baby. Correct. He's going to fix his baby himself. Watching him do that, it made me think about like when I, every other day, clean my golden retriever's paws with allergy wipes and, and do his ears. There's just a certain intimacy. Like I wouldn't want anybody else doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. And Mr. Wilson speaks Arabic. Right. He is a man of many talents. <laughs> that may be a hint to his past. We know he's served in the past. He could have been stationed in any Arabic-speaking country. Yes. I hope this means that we get a peek into his military career, into what he did with Pararescue. Yeah, actually, I was wondering something. When we meet Sam for the first time, he was a civilian and he was working as a counselor and helping other veterans. After everything that's happened, what made him change his mind and go back to the Air Force? It's an interesting question, especially when there are so many people, presumably post-blip, in need of counseling, like a certain Mm -hmm. super soldier. (laughs) It is an interesting question. I hope we do see that explored. Yeah. So while Sam is tinkering, Torres is over here making a goddamn spectacle of himself. Could we be a bit more subtle with our phone, Lieutenant? I have a question for you. Oh boy. Do you know what he was doing with his phone? I assumed he was taking some sort of videos, but I have a feeling with that condescension in your voice that you are going to tell me otherwise. He was using augmented reality to find symbols for the Flag Smashers. Explain. Have you heard of Pokemon Go? I don't live in a cave. Okay, good to know. So just like Pokemon Go, where you go to a certain location and you get the new Pokemons. Mm -hmm. Similarly, the Flag Smashers seem to be very tech savvy. And they are putting up their symbols in a similar fashion. So you need to use your camera in order to see the symbol. It's like graffiti, but virtual. Interesting. Hmm. And then we get a really telling interaction. A man and his wife recognize Sam as one of the Avengers and comes up to him and thanks him. You gave me back my wife. And a whole host of emotions play across Anthony Mackie's face here. Mm -hmm. He is clearly humbled and honored by this man's praise but he's also incredibly uncomfortable with the attention yeah he definitely seems uncomfortable sam wilson is a man of integrity he doesn't go looking for praise and accolades never has never will and and i think there's a few things in this discomfort and i think part of the discomfort is Sam is more likely to remember all of the people he hasn't been able to save. That there's guilt weighing on him. 
as good a man as he is, he's the kind of guy who wishes he could save everybody and he can't. And I think there's grief in there too when anybody mentions the Avengers. Yeah, because he has lost some of his friends over there and things have changed so much since Endgame. And I think maybe some of that discomfort could be attributed to the fact that he may not feel like he deserves it because he was one of the people who got blipped. Oh, yes. He came back after everyone else came back. He did help in defeating Thanos, most certainly, but he wasn't responsible for bringing them back. That is a really good point. Yes, Mr. Wilson has some major self-worth issues to work through. (laughs) Yeah, but at the same time, he has no problem flaunting his wings for the bank. Put it this way, I don't think he was proud of what he was doing. We'll get there. Okay, fair enough. So this whole conversation between... Sam and Torres, like I said earlier, this is so Tony and Peter. And then we're even going to see Torres do exactly what Peter did in Homecoming. Disobeying orders and getting into trouble when he bites off a little more than he could chew. (laughs) Yeah, true. And Sam's face when Steve comes up. This is clearly not the first time he has heard a Steve Rogers conspiracy theory. Yeah, and I think he's probably tired of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a part of it could also be that weight on his shoulders about the decision he needs to make about the shield. Yes, and you know what? I'm thinking, just given what we see in real life, I'm thinking that a secret base on the moon probably isn't even the craziest theory he's heard. (laughs) That tells us something, though. That tells us that nobody knows Steve has become old. Right. We don't know whether Steve is alive or not, but it's very clear that the public certainly does not. So if he was dead, there was no large public funeral to mourn him. Correct. And I'll say, sometimes there are things the public doesn't need to know. Leave Steve alone. That's true. Yes. He never would have wanted it in the first place. No. God, no. Yeah. And with the juxtaposition of Torres here, Sam just seems so much wiser and older than he has in the past, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think the last six months has certainly matured him as well. Definitely. Although it it doesn't mature Anthony Mackie. That man hasn't aged in like 15 years. (laughs) Yeah, he looks good. Judging by the interviews that he and Sebastian Stan have done lately, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of emotional maturity going on either. (laughs) (laughs) Which we thoroughly enjoy, gentlemen, so please don't change. So now we're on to present day Washington. Yes, where Sam is giving a very heartfelt speech yes (laughs) it's funny you say heartfelt speech because when he jokes that steve mastered posing stoically i thought he might add a line about steve's pep talks and speeches (laughs) 
And then we get our first really nice surprise. Somebody we were not expecting to see so soon. Yes, we see Rhodey. Hello, Mr. Cheadle. Good to see you, sir. Absolutely. And this is really a lovely speech that Sam gives. And we want to credit head writer Malcolm Spellman for this episode. Very well done. Something Mm. that stuck out to me here. And ladies, please let us know on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Let us know if you also notice this when Sam says, symbols are nothing without the women and men that give them meaning. Yeah, I didn't notice that. You did. Yeah, it's very rare that you hear women and men as opposed to men and women. Right. That meant a lot. Yeah, Yeah, true. And, you know, I've seen some differing opinions as to what's going on in Rhodey's head here. But for me, it was clear he is not happy with Sam's decision to give up the shield. Absolutely. He is 100% very unhappy about it. And I also think he is also grieving for his closest friend who he lost. Yes. And it's not angry disappointment that we see with Rhodey. It's him being disappointed that Sam feels unworthy to hold that shield, that he can't see what the rest of us also see. Steve wanted you to have this for a reason, Sam. Yeah. And I also think that he knows that these guys are not just going to let it lie. He knew (sighs) shit was going to happen. They fucking fooled me. They fucking fooled me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because the moment they put the shield in that case and we cut to this old white dude telling Sam that he made the right decision by giving up the shield. I remember thinking, the fuck, man? Is that supposed to mean that if he decided to be the next Captain America, that would be the wrong decision? Could you be more condescending? Now I see it that way. Originally, before we get the twist, I was Mm -hmm. seeing it as, oh, they're making this lovely tribute exhibit to Steve and the whole notion of Captain America will end with him. So they Mm -hmm. want the shield as part of the exhibit. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. (laughs) And then we get a nice private moment between Sam and Rhodey. And clearly Rhodey is like, trying to restrain himself, trying not to wring Sam's neck because he knows it's a really emotional time for him, but he's having a little trouble. Yeah, but he's not seeming aggressive. He's seeming resigned. Yeah, and it's subtle, but he's trying to tell Sam, you are the hero the world needs, you jackass. Yeah, and he was trying to tell him that we need another Captain America. We need you, but Sam isn't ready. He's just not ready. For whatever reason, he does not feel worthy of filling Steve's shoes, even though Steve himself did more than give his blessing. He said, you're my guy. Yeah, and I can't blame him, really. Those are big shoes to fill. It's true. And for Sam, Steve, probably when he was growing up, he must have heard the tales of Captain America, Steve Rogers. And then he met him, he got to know him, and he realized that it was all true. He was really that good and that noble and all those good things. Nobody thinks of themselves in that way. Anyone who does is kind of full of shit. And that's why it has to be him. 
Yeah, I know. For the same reason Dr. Erskine chose Steve. Yes, exactly. And that's why Steve chose Sam. But Sam doesn't feel like he's ready. And what happens later may push him to reconsider. Mm. Gonna push me to do something. (laughs) And you know what, Smithsonian? You've lost yourself a customer. We're going to pretend that I was actually going to go visit you when I moved to Maryland. Let's keep pretending that so I can say, I'm boycotting. You've lost my whatever the admission fee is. (laughs) Okay, Karen. (laughs) And while they're having this conversation, Rhodey tells Sam, the world is broken. We need another Captain America. That really, really stuck with me because. Look at the world right now. It is broken. Yeah. Forget about the the pandemic going on for a second, the rise in fascism all over. We're seeing it in so many different countries. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And at that moment when I heard that, I thought we do need another Steve Rogers. Maybe not a Captain America, but we need a Steve Rogers. I agree. So we leave Sam and Rhodey inside of Steve's exhibit there and head into another flashback, which I did not at first realize was a flashback. (laughs) Again. Well, technically it was a nightmare. This is true. Yeah. And this was a big trailer moment that everybody loved, us included. Bam! Winter Soldier's arm just coming through the wall. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And... He's still wearing the mask and the long hair. And it took me a minute for me to realize that this was a nightmare as well. And I was like, huh, in the trailers, he has short hair. So is he going to have his transformation now? Uh Uh-huh. And then I thought, at least he's wearing a mask. (laughs) And not only is the old hair back, his old score is back. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we see the Winter Soldier murder someone and this young man, unfortunately, at the wrong place at the wrong time, sees it happen. (sighs) And Winter Soldier, no mercy, just kills him, just shoots him. Yeah, yeah, of course, we're going to come back to this moment. Mm -hmm. And, oh, Bucky waking up on the floor is one of the most visceral, heartbreaking moments I think we've had in the MCU thus far. True. Because this show is so set in reality, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the life for a lot of combat vets people. You know, we saw back in Winter Soldier when Steve and Sam were first getting to know each other, Sam said to him, it's your bed, right? It's too soft. Right. And, you know, we see that with Bucky here having gone through combat in World War II, but also it's not like Hydra gave him a nice, you know, memory foam pillow top. Yeah, yeah. Considering the way they treated him, he'd be lucky to have even a cot. Yeah, they treated him like a junkyard dog. Yep. And what really got me, though, was uh, the dog text. Okay. That really got me. Because movies and TV make a lot of people think that, you know, members of the military wear their dog tags all the time. When you're Mm -hmm. home, stateside, just, you know, going to work every day, doing your job, those dog tags, they sit in a box. They sit with, you know, extra uh, name tapes and 
your ribbon rack, they just go away in a box. Even if you're stationed overseas, just doing your job every day. Dog tags come out on deployments when you may be in harm's way. So the fact that not only is Bucky a civilian now and he's wearing the dog tags, but this tells you a couple of things. It tells you that he is just living in this constant state of heightened danger. Mm -hmm. And that he, no matter what, he's still a soldier. He doesn't know how to be anything else. Right. And when it comes down to it, I don't think he wants to be. I don't think he knows how to. No. This is all he's ever known as an adult. Yep. He was young when he enlisted, you know? And that was 90 some years ago. Right. And he's been in combat ever since. Yep. And we see him struggling with that in his therapy session. Yes. I think for me, this was probably my favorite sequence of the episode. Yeah, it was a good sequence. I liked the way they were shooting it as well. They were doing it in a very different way, not wide yes. open shots. Very closed, mm-hmm. very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Just the two of them, intense focus. In a way, it's telling us, Bucky, you can't wiggle out of this. That, and I think it wanted us to feel that claustrophobia, that, that feeling of, I can't escape. And that's what Bucky's feeling. Mm-hmm. And we have to give major props here to Amy Aquino, who was playing Dr. Rayner, Bucky's therapist. Oh, I loved her. Perfect. Yes. She was fantastic and a tad intimidating. Well, she is from northern New Jersey in real life. So I think that's probably played into all the strong, intimidating female characters she's played throughout her career. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She was not taking his shit. And that's what he needs. Exactly. It would be too easy with that puppy dog face of his to manipulate some other therapist. And you know what's a big help? She says during this whole interaction, she's a combat veteran herself. Right. She knows what games he's trying to play. She knows what he's seen, what he's gone through. Right. And usually it's not important for a therapist to have shared experiences. But in this case, I think it was essential. Yeah. And I think it was essential for him to know as well so that he knows that exactly. he can't bullshit her. Yeah. It doesn't stop him from trying. Yeah. And I think that's another trope that we see so much in so many shows and movies. This, I'm so tough, I'm not going to open up. And the therapist is just, is just a nuisance for me. That toxic masculinity. I felt like slapping this guy. Let's cut Bucky a little bit of a break here, shall we? I know, but it's just that same perpetual thing that everybody does. And it's like opening up to a therapist is a sign of weakness. We need to give him a break for a couple of reasons. One, because he does come from a very different time. Even though he has been alive for sections of the last seven years, it's not like he's been taking in any pop culture. True, agreed. And also his mind kept getting wiped, so it's not like anything would stick anyways. Right. So he's coming from a 1930s mentality here. And (laughs) he's had no time whatsoever to adapt in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. 
But also, I think a part of this is Bucky is also a good man. And he knows his therapist has seen her own horrors. He doesn't want to give her any more. He doesn't want to give anybody any of the horrors that are in his mind. Why should anybody else have to live with those? I think that's a big part of it for him, too. And I also think that a part of him wants to feel it. He wants to punish himself. Mm -hmm. Which says so much about him. Because, you know, it's very much a goodwill hunting moment where it's like, Buck, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It isn't. He was completely mind controlled. He was completely helpless. There was absolutely nothing he could do to stop himself from committing all of those horrible crimes and murders. But nonetheless, because he is a good man, he can't help but feel that guilt. True. And there is a major difference between knowing it intellectually and accepting it. And that's where he's struggling. So here's an interesting thing. Bucky's therapy is a condition of his pardon with the U.S. Mm -hmm. Right. And it makes me wonder a few things. It makes me wonder if, one, the blip has really changed public opinion and perception about mental health and treatment. Okay. And it also makes me wonder, was it the United States Department of Justice who made this determination on their own that he needed to go to therapy? Or did they say, get pressure from the United Nations who probably, you know, also have a vested interest in this winter soldier committed crimes all over the world. I guess I'm just wondering about the motives behind that because it's like, I was like, wow, that is insanely progressive. That is wonderful that this is a condition of his pardon because otherwise he wouldn't be going. Well, I think they have a, a, a motive behind that because if it were me and I wanted the information of what the Winter Soldier did because he had this reputation of getting stuff done behind the scenes and nobody knew who it was. The therapy may have been an indirect way of trying to get the information of what he has done. Good luck getting any information out of Dr. Rayner. That woman seems to me would pop a cyanide pill before she'd give anybody that information on Bucky. Yeah. It's a little unclear, probably purposefully so. Yeah. And again, it is, after all, you know, movies and TV, It as grounded as the show is, they can't explain every little thing. They can't be logical about every little thing. True. One thing that is clear, though, is that Bucky and Dr. Rayner have established a rapport. He's been seeing her for a while. Yes. And I love the way they lighten up this scene. At certain times, because this is heavy stuff. But man, that notebook had me cracking up. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Anybody who's ever been to therapy knows that notebook. Right. That's one of the ways we know that he's been doing this for a while. Because Bucky has learned the term passive aggressive. Congratulations, (laughs) Buck. Yeah. And it's interesting that he's trying to throw it back at her to make to get her on the defensive. Of course he is. He's a man. That's what they do. (laughs) So Bucky has made a very Earl Hickey type of list of people to make amends with, which again, 
speaks so much to his character. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do any of this. No, he doesn't, but I'm guessing it's part of his therapy. Yes, and I think it's something he also wants to do. And it's a nice little throwback to Steve's list, too. Yeah, true. Very different lists. Very different and much darker. And I love, just given 2021 right now, the state of things in the U.S., oh, I love that he started with a crooked senator. (laughs) I was just imagining the various ways that he could take down Ted Cruz. Like, oh, I, I was making all kinds of mental lists here. It was a fun little thought exercise. Wait, so you think if Hydra was real, you think Ted Cruz could have been involved? Oh my God, of course. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck okay. yes, he'd be Senator fucking Botox. Are you insane? <laughs> all right, okay. I love that you re- refer to him as Senator Botox still. I can't remember his actual name, so yes. (laughs) Guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to our Iron Man 2 episode. Yes, poor Gary Shandling. May he rest in peace. (laughs) So we get a nice show, don't tell here, of just how Bucky made amends with Senator Atwood. Yes. He did not do anything illegal. Sort of. He did not harm anyone. Mm, Matter of degree. True. And then he did his little, my name is Earl speech. (laughs) Oh my God, that smile. (laughs) (laughs) I think aside from the time we see him when Steve was skinny, this is the first time we've seen him smile since then. I think we got a smile from him in Wakanda. Did we? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. When he saw Steve again. Of course when he saw Steve again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Oh, you know, it's also important to mention that Bucky speaks more in this therapy session than in the entirety of the MCU previously. I think that little speech of his was more than he ever spoke ever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And we get an interesting distinction here, too. He makes it very clear. I am no longer the Winter Soldier. I am James Bucky Barnes. Interesting that this obviously would mean a lot to him, but interesting given the title of the show, don't you think? Yeah, true. But it's his legacy. I'm very eager to see, though, how this plays in, because this is a big part of moving forward for him, is that distinction between Winter Soldier and himself. Mm -hmm. So it was just something I couldn't ignore. Okay. What would the show be called? The Falcon and Bucky Bombs? I don't know. Sam and Bucky? Yeah, that's that's no lethal fun. Lethal wing, lethal wings? I don't know. It could have been a lot of things. I don't know. <laughs> now you're just, just mixing up all those buddy cop movies. Pretty much. <laughs> and what I really like here is that I think his therapist knows that he's stretching the truth a little bit on how much he is sticking to these rules. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. last time I checked, punching someone in the face is harming them. Well, it's not permanently damaging to play devil's advocate. Bending the truth a little bit. And I'm pretty sure that actively locking someone in their car electronically constitutes false imprisonment. But it's fine. She's a bitch. (laughs) Take her down. She's a monster. Yeah, the ends justify the means in this situation. Yes, yes, we're totally fine with it. Even if the ends are just that smile, I'm fine with it. 
And I think it also hints to the future dynamic with Sam. Because Sam is yes. trying to be more like Steve. Uh, yes. And he always was a very honorable guy and he still is. So that sort of interplay between Bucky trying to blur the lines and Sam trying to do the right thing will be an interesting dynamic. And in 2020, there was a comic series for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that is a major part of their dynamic because in that, it seems like Bucky is quite willing to kill anyone and everyone that gets in his way while Sam is trying to arrest people. Sam killed a bunch of people on that helicopter. So true. I don't so know about yeah, that. Yeah, so I think that there will be some interplay over there about what to do. So let's see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. And now I know for sure what I will ask Sebastian Stan if I ever meet him someday. And that is, how long did you practice that smile in the mirror? <laughs> and so... Dr. Rayner starts pushing back a little bit with him about his lack of relationships. And he is a terrible liar. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I trust people. You could feel <laughs> the air quotes around that word. And again, you could say that's stretching the truth a little bit. Like he definitely would trust Steve, but we don't know if Steve is around. Right. And we find out here Sam has been reaching out to him, but he's been ignoring all the texts. Right. So Dr. Rayner gets right in his face. She is brutally honest with him. And that's what he needs. And that's part of a therapist's job. I've seen a lot of people out there on Twitter getting upset with, you know, the way she's talking to him. It's part of a therapist's job to assess each patient individually and determine what they need individually. You know, it's not a one size fits all thing. And mm -hmm. I mean, this is a 106-year-old combat veteran who has seen enough shit for 10 lifetimes. He doesn't need anything sugar-coated. True. And he wouldn't respect her if, if she was trying to baby him. Exactly. And sometimes you just need that tough love. Yeah. And, you know, she tells him the scariest thing of all, which is that you're free. Yep. And that's what Bucky has come to realize is that Sometimes freedom is just as terrifying as it is liberating. Right. Yeah. And it only makes sense. Where would Bucky go to live? Back to Brooklyn. Yep. It's his home. It's all he's ever known. Yep. Although it's a very different place now than it was in 1943. That's for sure. <laughs> there were no yoga studios. Or no Monique's with a U to make it unique. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and they weren't constantly telling you about it either. Yep. I love this scene here with Mr. Nakajima in the garbage. It's a very subtle indicator of the simple ways that everyday people and everyday things would have been affected by the blip. You know, like scarcity of resources and access to things, just little stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And how tense people are still about the little things. I took it in another way. How did you take it? I took it as Mr. Nakajimo is, he's an old guy. And for some reason, as people get older, they, they tend to get more crankier and they don't want to compromise. So he's being territorial. 
for a small thing to have that control because he's lost so much and so much control in his own life. True. And, you know, this also is a thing, stuff like this in New York, because everybody's living on top of each other like sardines. Mm -hmm. So we're getting this little scuffle and Bucky comes in to save the day. Yes. And at first it seems like he's just trying to do the right thing. Then we realize that they know each other. Yeah. Yeah. He knows this leather jacket, too. He knows it real well. <sighs> I can't help myself. I'm trying not to because I'm trying to respect this man. But when he's going to go walking around like this, just in his jeans, in his leather jacket, what do you want from me? I'm only so strong. I will say it's a nice leather jacket. You would care more about the jacket. <laughs> Yeah, so he and Mr. Nakajima are friends. Yes. And, you know, at first, I'm thinking, you know, this makes sense. He can relate much better to old people. True. Yeah. And it seems to me that he really enjoys his company. Mm-hmm. They have really good chemistry. Yes, they do. And it doesn't seem like he's just humoring him. No, not at all. And. Yeah. and <laughs> he decides to act as wingman. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. And he specif he specifies what they should do on the date as well. It's very helpful. <laughs> Poor Bucky, what's wrong with Pinochle? For those of you who also who aren't also 106, that is an old timey card game. Thank you for letting me know. I did not know that. I figured you wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know if that's specifically American. I have a feeling it might be, but yeah. Okay. You know, I have a feeling that Marvel has been secretly infiltrated by old people. <laughs> because in WandaVision, they talk about Bridge, and then now they're talking about Pinochle. Well, it's because Bridge was a very popular thing in the 50s. On every yes. sitcom, they were playing Bridge. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like the old people are finally getting their say. <laughs> On that lighter note, let's take a quick break to hear about another podcast you guys might enjoy. Hey, I'm Ethan Simi, the host of 15 Minutes of Marvel, the only podcast that gives you Marvel reviews, news, and rumors in just 15 minutes, with new episodes releasing every Tuesday and Friday. Look, maybe you've got 15 minutes while traveling between the nine realms, or maybe you've got 15 minutes to listen to the show while hanging out with your buddies eating some shawarma. You don't need to be a Marvel or MCU expert to listen to this show. Heck, I am learning new stuff every single episode myself, and I'm loving it. With The Falcon and the Winter Soldier premiering Friday, March 19th, I will be giving my raw and honest review and reaction to the show every single Friday. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at 15MinuteMarvel and subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And I am always down to hear your Marvel thoughts, theories, or hot takes. Remember, always go higher, further, and faster. And of course, because she's a straight woman, apparently, and has eyes, 
uh, the waitress here <laughs> agrees to go out with Bucky the following night. He doesn't even, Mr. Nakajima doesn't even give him a chance to back out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't blame her to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but we will get back to the date later on. Because our good time is about to be deflated here. Yes. Mr. Nakajima has a flashback of his own of sorts, remembering his son's love for the ice cream that they see on the counter. And that's when we realize, because it's written all over Bucky's face, who Hmm. this man's son is. Yes, his son was the same guy that the Winter Soldier killed in the nightmare, that young man who was there at the wrong place at the wrong time. My heart just fell in my gut. Oh my God. Yeah, that was, that was tough. Oh, for both of them, you know? Yeah. And two, obviously, like, he's on Bucky's list. And Bucky knows, like, how is he ever supposed to make amends for this? Hmm. I was thinking that maybe it's an indirect kind of thing where he is now going to take care of Mr. Nakajima, you know, in his Mm -hmm. old age, be not the son that he lost, but at least take care of him in a way that his son would have when the time comes. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't think that's what Bucky has in mind. I think he will. Like if that, if it comes to that, he cares about this man, no question. But we're going to see later on that he does have other intentions. Yeah, I think he does want to tell him, but he can't. He can't face that heartbreak from this man. Yeah, because too, this is his only friend right now. Yeah, essentially. And it makes me wonder, how did this friendship start? It's a very Doc Brown, Marty McFly type of deal, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Bucky found a way. He made it he made it work. Yeah, he did, but it wasn't intentional, I guess. He probably didn't intend to go befriend the father of the man he killed. I think he absolutely did. I think he's done research on every single person he killed and figure has figured out individually, just like his therapist has with him, figured out individually who he needs to make amends with. And how. So you think befriending him is his way of making amends? I don't know. I think he definitely sought him out. But I think he may have found himself really enjoying the old man. And I think, like I said, taking care of him might be a part of it. Looking out for him. This is probably the hardest one for Bucky thus far. He's still got a lot of names on that list. Yeah. So this is new ground for him. He's just feeling his way through, you know? Yeah. I agree with you that I think he definitely sought him out to make amends, but he hasn't been able to gather the courage, if you will. And he also just doesn't know how. It's not like he can give him his son back. Right. Yeah. That little speech of his is going to be woefully lacking. Yeah. And he knows that. Yeah. Now we leave the bar and we head down to Louisiana. Yep. And I bet Anthony Mackie just loved this because he is from New Orleans Mm -hmm. through and through. And the music is great, too. Yeah, I like the music, too. And I love the the open road, the scenery of it. 
I'm really missing open roads and sceneries. Yeah. And, you know, Bucky's world, the way that's shot, it's much darker, I felt, just in terms of color, whereas Sam's is much more full of light. Yeah. Bucky's, not only is it more darker, but it's more... Muted? Muted, yes, but more compact. The way they're shooting his scenes, it's a lot more close up as compared Mm -hmm. to Sam's. And Sam's is a more warmer tone. Yes, warmer. That's the word. Yep. Mm. Which makes sense because he is getting back with his family. Yes. And boy, do I love this family. Yeah, his sister is fantastic. Oh my God. Did we need Sarah Wilson? (laughs) Absolutely. Adepero Oduye is another perfect piece of casting. Yes, she is able to to share the screen with Anthony Mackie and not come up lacking. And I do feel like she probably could maybe beat the shit out of him in real life. (laughs) (laughs) If she really wanted to. Because you know what? We said Amy Aquino's from North Jersey. She's from Brooklyn. Okay. All right. Yeah. So between the two ladies, these men are in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And... These kids they got to play Sarah's boys are adorable. They're little glasses. (laughs) Yeah, they're very cute. They're a nice, sweet family together. They look, those boys look alike too. I wonder if they're actually brothers. Maybe. So Uncle Sam is back and the boys are thrilled, but there is clearly a lot of tension here between Sam and Sarah right away yeah i did notice that when sarah says uncle sam she gives that little salute which is a bit Mm. sarcastic definitely and i didn't think of that till that moment when she did that i was like oh i see Mm -hmm. yeah sam just comes down here like a bulldozer thinking he's got a plan we're gonna follow that plan everybody's just gonna fall in line and do what i say Actually, that's the thing. He doesn't have a plan yet, but he still wants to do things his way. Yeah, that's a big part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah, is what Sam thinks versus what's actually happening. Correct. He's still struggling to face reality. Yeah, definitely. Because, hey, Sam, buddy old pal, in case you hadn't noticed, Sarah doesn't really need saving. She's doing just fine. Yeah, and she's managed for the last five years just fine without you. Thank you very much. Yeah, she's been running a business and raising two children on her own during an apocalyptic event. Can we give this woman some credit, please, Mr. Wilson? Yeah, but to be fair, yes, she is struggling financially and she has a plan to fix it. Yes. Unlike him, where he's just kind of on a wing and a prayer right now, no pun intended. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it is understandable where he's coming from. And I also understand where she's coming from. Yeah. And that's what makes it great is because they both have a point and the chemistry between the two of them is great. I totally believe them as siblings. Just Mm -hmm. like we, we said about WandaVision and that family, we feel this 30 something years of history between these two. 
you know? Right. Yeah. Because despite all the tension, there's a foundation of love beneath it. And they talk a lot about their parents. And that tension wouldn't be there without the love. Yeah, true. And part of it is too, Sam is ready to just air their dirty laundry out to everybody on this pier. (laughs) And she would like to have this conversation privately, please. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah. And I think this is another one of Sam's defense mechanisms. He knows that once she gets him in private, she's going to corner him. And he does not want to be cornered right now and have all the holes in his plan pointed out. (laughs) Yeah, he's trying to be like the charming older brother, the cool and fun guy. And he doesn't want to really get down to business. Mm hmm. And once all the men start coming around and it's Big Avenger on campus, oh, Sarah has zero patience for this. Yeah, yeah. Because she's been going through this. Yeah, there is a little resentment there. And it's not just because of the blip. It's not just because of how he's acting now. It's everything that came before. You know, she says to him, I appreciate the fact that you went to serve your country. I respect that. But you missed a lot because of it. And you don't have a right to try and take over everything. We each made our own choices and you have to live with that. Yeah. And she has a point because she is on the ground. She's doing the work every day. She knows the reality of the situation. And this decision that she's made about selling the boat, which clearly has a lot of meaning to both of them, It's not Mm -hmm. an easy decision she must have reached. Absolutely. I mean, clearly she's been working very hard to try and keep it for years. And she's just staring reality in the face now. It hasn't been enough. Bad luck. Everything that's happened, it just isn't feasible anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's a stroke of bad luck that everything that's going wrong. And that's something that we can all relate to right now, thanks to covid the worldwide economy is in shambles and people are struggling. Definitely. And, you know, Sarah shows us if you're running a business with family and you guys just aren't seeing eye to eye about dealing with things, just punch him in the gut. <laughs> Only a sister can get away with that. <laughs> and I love his reaction. I forgot how hard you hit. Yeah. And he had that. Ooh. <laughs> reaction yeah. like like we didn't just see him 10 minutes ago flying around and killing people willy-nilly yeah but he was in a suit and everything and he was on guard you know his defenses <laughs> are down right now and she knows exactly where to where to hit him yeah yeah you know so much so, mm-hmm. i mean he's walking into that kitchen don't hit me again <laughs> <laughs> no uh uh the cabin It's so frustrating for Sarah. It's like talking to a brick wall because he just keeps telling her, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. I've got it all figured out. But he doesn't go into any detail. And I was thinking to myself, what exactly is your plan, Sam? And that plan turns out to be quite cringy later on. Yeah, it does. No fault of his own, admittedly. Oh, that's not the cringiness I'm talking about. No, no. Okay. So while Sarah sits on slow boil here, We head back to Brooklyn for a bit. Yeah, for a date. Let me ask you, did you get nervous when we see Bucky about to go into the restaurant, but we see the police car in front of the window first? 
yeah for a second i was like uh okay is that gonna be another action sequence i thought they were like keeping tabs on bucky or something like all the time and that we were gonna see him be questioned about something i wasn't sure what was happening okay no i was thinking that something happens and he bails on the date and he goes rushing to save the day well they fooled us both it's it's just new york yeah. It's New York on a Friday night, whatever night it is. <laughs> and so we see right away here, this woman has absolutely no clue who Bucky is. Yes. And probably for the best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I do desperately need to see that online dating profile, though. I really do. His or the tiger ones? His. Okay. I'm more curious Let's about the tiger clear. ones. I have no idea what he's talking about with this tiger thing. You know, I don't either, which is why I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, usually you're in the know about this type of thing. Hey, the last time I went out on a date was 1943, or feels like it. <laughs> so, like, he's trying to be honest with her. He tells her he's 106. It's not his fault. She doesn't believe him. True, but... To be fair, it's difficult for her to believe that. Well, I mean, it would make sense that a 106-year-old man would have problems with his circulation. (laughs) Yeah, and he'd look like that. Sure. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And this was just, this was rough. Like, poor Bucky. How the hell is he supposed to date? How the hell is he supposed to form new relationships? But he's trying and i kind of feel bad for this girl because she's trying as well she's asking him questions hoping that something sparks a conversation and then at one point she says let's play some battleship and the thing that struck me was that she says i usually keep it under the counter for boring shifts (laughs) yeah not starting off on a very good foot are we no 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 date that's ever involved battleship has gone well well they could but not like the first date no no that's definitely a that's a few months in when you break out your love of battleship in board games yes yes that's a this is should i take the next step and see how competitive you are kind of date yes board games come into play after sex but before you start farting in front of each other (laughs) okay good to know (laughs) just good for future reference for you there yes can you make me a little timeline for stuff like this that would be helpful (laughs) it's been a while clearly it's just impossible either way because if he lies about who he is then that's not fair to the person that he's with and it's not fair to himself but if he tells the truth most people are going to run screaming yes i mean i personally would give him the benefit of the doubt of course you would of course you would (laughs) not for any good reason (laughs) no i would give him the benefit of the doubt i feel like i deserve some points for that is it really you deserve points for that or do you deserve (laughs) points to be cut for that (laughs) things 
things aren't going that terribly, honestly, until she starts talking about Mr. Nakajima and his son. Yeah, things aren't going terribly, but they aren't going great either. Yeah. So it's not like he gave up on his on the love of his life or anything like that when he left in yeah. the middle of the date. Well, I get it. It was either that or have a meltdown in front of her. Hmm. You know, and I, I'd, I'd vote for just walking out because he'd probably just scare her. Probably. Yeah, true. It's not like he can tell her why it would make him so upset. Yeah, yeah. So then he heads over to Mr. Nakajima's apartment. And he's so close. He wants to tell him. Yeah. He doesn't want to hurt this man any more than he already has. And he also doesn't want to lose him. True. And this is something that's a bit of a philosophical debate, I think, that in this situation for Mr. Nakajima, it haunts him that he doesn't know what happened to his son. Yeah. But... Would he really be better off knowing or not knowing? Yeah. And nobody can answer that but him. Hmm. And I think that's probably part of Bucky's struggle too. Probably. Did you notice who else is on Bucky's list? No. Zemo. Right. Who we have not seen yet, but whose presence kind of loomed over this a little bit. Yes. And we do know that we will see him later. I have a question for you. Yeah. If Tony was alive, do you think Bucky would have done the same thing? Do you think he would have gone to Tony and made amends? Oh, man. Well, civil war happened. Yeah. And things didn't end well. Right. But I, I like to think Tony grew a lot in those five years. Mm hmm. I think they would have eventually reached an understanding. But do you think Bucky would have taken that step in the first place? Yeah, I think you would have done it. Okay. Probably in a different way because they have an established relationship already. But yeah, I think he would have taken the steps. Okay. So now we head back down to Louisiana where Sam just has everything figured out. <laughs> yes. And I have to wonder, all this food that's around, I wonder if there was one person who was in charge of keeping Anthony Mackey's paws off of all that food. Uh, chances are that food wasn't actually real or really, really bad just to ensure he never eats it. <laughs> that man does love his Cajun food. <laughs> and this is, this is a great family scene too because we see Sam is trying. He so badly wants to help his family. But he has such tunnel vision that he's also not giving his sister what she actually needs. And that is acknowledgement, recognition for what she has accomplished and done these last, you know, five years and before. Yeah, he's essentially swooped in and you can't blame her. She is resentful. Yeah. Like, where were you when I was struggling? And now you just pop in, try to be the hero. Right. And, you know, we can forgive Sam for some of this because he is a good man and we know he is going to come to his senses and make amends with his sister. But also right now, it's too painful for him to admit the truth of how great a job his sister has done. He knows she has. 
but he can't express it because it just reminds him of his own failings and his own absence. Dan, and I think this is his process of letting go. We all go through situations like this. Maybe the circumstances are different, but we have a point where we need to, we either try to hold on to something that we know isn't working and we need to get through that process where we realize for ourselves that yes this isn't working anymore and I have to let go or I'm just dooming myself Mm -hmm. so this is his one last ditch effort to try to save his family's legacy to be fair if he doesn't he would probably regret it for the rest of his life I agree with you. While this is going down in Louisiana, we find Lieutenant Torres being an idiot in Switzerland. (laughs) A brave idiot, a sweet idiot, but an idiot nonetheless. Yep. And this is essentially Peter trying to stop Vulture and his gang on his own in Spider-Man Homecoming. Torres is lucky he wasn't killed. True, but I'd say Peter was even less qualified than Torres is. I don't know. I I think the superpowers even it out. Okay, fair. So yeah, so Lieutenant Torres has reached this meeting point. It's almost like a flash mob, if you will. I swear to God, I have in my notes terrorist version of a flash mob. (laughs) The Flag Smashers are robbing a bank and they are going to use the crowd and chaos as cover for their escape. Yes, and I remember... Seeing this somewhere used as a technique, I can't remember where, it's probably some show or a book Mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, it's not a new concept. Yeah, it's not a new concept, but it's certainly the way it's been implemented through online means is definitely new. Mm -hmm. And it goes to show that the Flag Smashers, while we know that they're tech savvy, they're, they're not complete idiots. No, definitely not. They're well organized. Yes. And they're using the anonymity of the internet to to do what they want to do. Yes. Although Flag Smashers, really? That's the best we can do for a name? Come on. <laughs> we get it. All right. You want a world without borders. I understand. But we could be a little more creative with our branding. I'm just saying. Well, it's the comics, right? True. They, they yeah. are from the comics, so can't blame them for that but they didn't seem very unique to me at this point no but they're very unsettling much like daniel Bruhl's face (laughs) i don't think that's him underneath the mask oh no it's not i'm just making a parallel because i enjoy him i think he's a great actor but um he gives me the heebies okay (laughs) and i mean that in a good way he's doing his job right yes he is good at being bad yeah, so this is our introduction to these guys. I thought it was really well done. I am intrigued. And like I said, Torres is lucky to be alive and lucky mm-hmm. to have gotten that information out to Sam. Yeah, it was smart what he did with the camera, hiding it and things like that. So he may be inexperienced, but he's not an, a complete idiot. He's a lieutenant. That's what they do. <laughs> and now we head to... The bank. Oh, this loan officer, he is so self-absorbed. It's amazing. Well, he is a white middle-aged man in a managerial sort of position. (laughs) 
that's pretty much a given. Hmm. He's too distracted by the fact that he recognizes Sam from somewhere else. And he's not actually looking at the paperwork. Yes, but Sam is also practically preening for him. Yeah, because he wants something out of him. Yeah. Oh, this was rough. Sam is banking on his celebrity status of sorts to try and get this loan. And it's just so cringy for me because I know he hates himself for this. He's making a big show of it, but I think he is just ashamed of himself. Yeah, but for him in his mind, it's probably the ends justify the means. If Of course, that's why he's doing it. Yeah, so if someone is a bit starstruck and gives him the loan that he requires in order to help his family, it's okay because he's using his influence to help his family. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, Sarah feels a little differently. I think if she could find a hole to crawl in and die in that moment, she would. That's any younger sibling's birthright. (laughs) So yeah, Sam's got this, you know, binder full of numbers. Mm-hmm. That he thinks is going to get him somewhere. But yeah. uh, tis not the case. No, it's not. This guy basically tells him that you have no income from the last five years. And Sarah is understandably pissed off because he didn't exist for five years. How's he going to have any income? Right. And it's not like Sam was the only person who was blipped out. This is something that billions of people are experiencing. So for this guy to say that as an excuse is stupid. Yeah, he's acting like he isn't aware that the blip happened. Yeah. And he's trying to make the excuse. He says, oh, you know, things have tightened up. And Sarah says, well, funny how things always tighten around us. True. Yeah. And this guy gets immediately extremely defensive. Yep. Classic. Yep. And we're with Sarah on this. Blip or no blip, there is rampant racism in the financial industry, in every industry. True. Agreed. And she is so frustrated, all she can do is laugh when this asshole has the gall to ask Sam for a selfie. Yeah. And at that point, Sam is understandably pissed off because this guy is being condescending. He's certainly not professional. And he still thinks that he'll be able to get a selfie with Sam putting his arms up. Yeah. That's embarrassing, even under the best of circumstances. Yeah. And Sarah has an extra level of anger here because she knew this would happen. Yeah. And she has been there. She said that she has been going to banks and asking for loans and trying to consolidate things. It's not like she didn't try this. Yeah. She's not a stupid woman. Yeah. And she would have made every possible effort to try and keep their family business. But she did. And that's what she told Sam. Sam was essentially banking on the goodwill that he was speaking about. Yeah. Now, a lot of people have been wondering about this on social media saying, hey, Tony was a goddamn billionaire. What do you mean he wasn't paying everybody? Well, mm-hmm. let's keep in mind that post Winter Soldier, after S.H.I.E.L.D. fell, Tony was funding everything related to the Avengers himself. 
Yeah, and I do remember hearing, I believe it was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that Maria went to work for him. And we do know that Avengers Tower was where all the Avengers were living. And Tony was handling all of that. Right. And then they had the new headquarters upstate. He was funding absolutely everything. Correct. And all the tech for all of them, including Sam's wings, everything, really, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So let's not pull up the dearly departed Mr. Stark too much here. (laughs) So, yeah, he may not be paying everyone a salary, but at the end of the day, all of them had a choice of what they wanted to do. If they wanted to continue being an Avenger or not, it's not like they were contracted or anything of that sort. Under S.H.I.E.L.D., probably, yes. So the question arises, did S.H.I.E.L.D. never pay them? How were they surviving? Yeah, I think this is part of the minutiae that we just can't really get into. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. Yeah, true. And again, like I said earlier, it is a movie we can't get into every logical explanation for everything. Yeah, and we're not Steve. We can't do this all day, people. So these two just can't quite come to terms yet. And that's because they're in a deadlock. They each own half of the house, half of the boat and business. And it's going to stay that way for a little while. I think towards the end when Sam is trying to repair the boat and it's not working and he's looking at all the pictures and all of that, he was close to a realization. He'll get there. He'll get there. But he's definitely a couple of steps closer. Yeah. The two of them are going to have to work things out together just like Sam and Bucky will. Yep. Yeah. And that's when Torres sends Sam the video. Hashtag important. Oh, my God. (laughs) (sighs) I just can't. Now, what is it that what do you think Torres is about to say here? When Sam is seeing the video of the Flag Smashers and Torres is explaining it, like Sam stops him from saying something. What does Mm -hmm. he think this could be? I think what he was going to say was that he's not just a regular human. He's enhanced or super. Okay. Mm, I don't know. I genuinely have no idea what this could be. I think it's something like that because we see very clearly and it's a lot of emphasis has been given to this, that when the main bad guy kicks off the cop, he goes flying and that's done intentionally to show his strength. Okay. Okay. That's a good point. It happened so quickly. I didn't realize. Okay. So that's what I think it is. Unless they're trying to reveal like a mutant term, maybe. Don't. Say the M word. <laughs> it could be any of those. I I personally do doubt the mutant aspect of it. I think that's ways off if it happens, but some kind of special ability for this guy. And now we come to the conclusion of this yes, episode. Yes, your favorite part of the episode, isn't it? <sighs> Something's happening on the TV, Sam. Come take a look. <laughs> yeah. I have never hated a character so much before they even fucking speak. And that's the intention. Oh my God. And you know what? You know what, people? 
I'm not calling this guy John Walker because that's not his name. Do you know what his name is? His name is Matthew Baratheon. You know why? Because you mix Matt Smith and Joffrey and this is what you get. (laughs) Before we get into the new cap. Mm, Not my cap. (laughs) Don't even say it. Don't yeah, not mine say either. It. Not mine either. Uh, did you notice that the guy who was announcing was the same guy who told Sam that he made the right decision? Yes, he was standing next to Rhodey during the event. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had these plans all along. Bucky, we have somebody else you need to make amends with. He needs to do the harm before he needs to make amends. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen Wyatt Russell in anything. Okay. Me neither. I've never seen the guy in an interview. He's probably a very nice guy. And Mm -hmm. I feel really bad for him right now because he has no idea of the hate storm that is already headed his way like an emotional tsunami. (laughs) But that is not going to help me loathe him any less. Yeah. But I also can't deny that this is absolutely perfect casting. Again. Yes, it is so far. I mean, we haven't seen him actually do anything, but the way he came out and that smirk, he did a fantastic job. He was very good. I don't need to see him do anything. I just needed to see that punchable face. (laughs) Yeah. And did you notice that his new uniform... He had a gun holster. Oh, and the rage just increases. Yeah, because Cap never had a gun holster. We do see him use a gun on rare occasions, but not enough that he had it always on him as a sidearm. And another thing that this his new costume reminded me of was the Hydra soldier uniforms from Captain America the First Avenger. Not quite exactly, but similar. Mm-hmm. I haven't yelled at my TV this loudly since I watched that documentary on on Netflix called Abducted in Plain Sight. If you've seen it, people, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you know why I think Wyatt Russell is extra perfect for this is there's an added parallel in real life. So he is the son of Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. And if you look at him, you can see both of his parents in his face. Mm -hmm. So it's bad enough that John Walker comes in and takes this title away from the black man who deserves it and who is supposed to be holding this mantle. But now the guy playing him, you know, comes from a very privileged background where some might argue i am not arguing this for the record i don't know the guy haven't seen him in anything but just because he comes from a famous family some people might say oh he's just famous on his name he's only gotten jobs because of his name not because Mm -hmm. of his talent that he hasn't actually earned anything so there's a duality there that's interesting the gut punch of this was visceral Poor Sam, this betrayal. And Sarah, too, her face said it all, that she knows exactly the pain and grief this is going to cause her brother. Yeah, she is more worried about him than she is about the new cap. 
Yes, she is. Yeah, the love we saw for her brother on her face was so bittersweet. Yeah, true. And for Sam, this was the whole idea of him giving up the shield was to maintain Steve's legacy, not for some random dude to come in and say, oh, hey, I'm the new cap. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the additional layer of Sam as a black man. Yeah, because for Sam, I mean, he just experienced it. He just experienced this indirect racism when he was trying to get a loan. So he's very aware that even if he's willing, which he isn't at this point, already at this point, to be the new Captain America, chances are the people may not accept him just because he's a black man. And this is something that has been touched upon even in the comics in a very minor way so far from what I've read. Basically, it was one guy, one old white man sitting with his son and who was and he kept telling his son that this new Captain America has not earned it despite the fact that his son was telling him that of course he's earned it he's been Cap's friend and he's been fighting alongside him for years and Cap chose him whereas this guy was insisting that the reason that Sam is the new Captain America was because of political correctness Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, here, here's the thing. I've seen some people making this argument and making this argument that, oh, Sam knows he wouldn't be accepted. Here's the thing. No, Sam thought that shield was going into an exhibit and that Captain America was being put to rest. Yes. And that was being done because he chose not to be Captain America, because that's what Steve wanted him to do. He wanted him right. to take the shield and be the next Captain America. Right. And here's the other problem with that. Let's say that actually happened. Let's say that Mm. Sam didn't want the shield because he didn't think America was ready for a black Captain America. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with that argument. If Americans waited to be ready, quote ready, and by that we mean if everybody waited for white Americans to be ready for social change, the change would never happen. If the civil rights movement in the last 50 years, the last 200 years showed us anything, it's that a lot of times white Americans need shit shoved down their throats in order to make progress happen, necessary progress happen. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, that's something that I've seen a lot online not regarding race, but regarding LGBTQ characters being more prominent Mm -hmm. on television, where Mm -hmm. there's this very common argument that why are they shoving all these gay people down our throats? Why does everything have to be gay? Whereas if you look at the statistics of it, it's like barely, it's not even double digits where the number of gay characters are there on television. Right. Right. And, you know, it's the same thing in public. You know, I've been with my parents when I was younger. Oh, why do they need to be holding hands in public? Why do they need to kiss each other? Because they're people and that's what people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't want to hear that nonsense of, oh, people just aren't ready. Tough shit. It's not about being ready. 
It's about what's necessary. It's about justice. It's about Sam, the man, and not what he looks like. That's what it should be. Yes. Calling this a slap in the face doesn't even come close to what this is. Because they're saying to him, we do not want a black man representing the United States of America. Agreed. I'll be honest, when I saw Endgame for the first time, and of course, yes, it was a very emotional movie. And when Steve came back and gave Sam the shield, I was surprised. Oh, I wasn't. Well, I was thinking of it from a different perspective. I was thinking that Steve knew Bucky far longer than Sam. So maybe he would have given it to him. No, that's why, that's why Steve didn't give it to Bucky. Okay, that's fair. And when I thought about it, I said, yes, you know what? This makes sense. And mm-hmm. then the cynical part of me went, oh, shit, this is going to trigger a lot of people. And tough shit to them. Yeah. Tough shit. All the white people who have a problem with social justice, who have a problem with black people in positions of power or any kind of authority, tough shit. Yeah, agreed. That's really what it comes down to. Hmm. It's safe to say that race is going to be a recurring theme on this show. And you know what, everybody? Geopolitics, too. We are going to do our best as a white woman and a woman who's also not American to cover this. But because we don't have those same experiences as Sam, as Sarah, we're not going to be able to do it proper justice. We know that, but we're going to try. Yes. And if at any point we are ill-informed or we say something that misses the mark, please help us and educate us so that we can be better and we can help others also be better. And maybe I'll yell at my TV and scare my dogs just a little less that week. So you'll be doing us all a favor. (laughs) All right. So this definitely went longer than expected, huh? Oh, yeah. This was certainly a far more deeper episode than I certainly expected. Yes. Yes. Glad I had my bag of nuts up here. (laughs) 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 I do get hangry. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. So there's a few people. Uh, that we want to mention this week. At Good Brother Mars, Red Wing is indeed a national treasure. We are all thankful for him. Spooky Brown, Sarah Wilson is fiery indeed, and we're here for it. Terrence Brown, I want to punch John Walker even harder now in the... Oh, excuse me. Matthew Baratheon, even harder now in the face. <laughs> now that I can see that bit of Tarantino in him that you were talking about. Huh. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. He is my Ian Malcolm. I really hate that man. <laughs> At Marina Danvers, we agree. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier soundtrack album will be incredible. Marvel's just topping all the charts in 2021. All right, everybody. Thank you all for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Mamie. And we've got a bonus episode on the way for you. 
On Monday, look out for our exclusive interview with Chicago Suzuki, the art director on WandaVision. Then join us next Wednesday, as usual, for our breakdown for episode two of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. In the meantime, if you have something to add, find us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Marvel Madams. And visit us at themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. So I've seen the word waistcoat and I've always just assumed when they talk about a man wearing a waistcoat, I'm like, oh, that must be just some old timey article of clothing that I'm unaware of. No. Wait, wait. I'm going through Instagram a little bit this morning. So this picture of Hiddleston pops up and I look at the, the caption for it. And it says, Tom in a waistcoat. And I was like, waistcoat? What are you talking about? He's just wearing a vest. Oh. <laughs> all this time waistcoat has just been a fancier word for vest <laughs> trust you to figure out a word thanks to tom hiddleston yeah like that that explains so much that's the one thing i like about kindle that if you don't know a word it t- gives you the definition i knew that you gonna yell at me now? <laughs> I, I'm counting backwards. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, Lord, please, please save me and help me.